When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Testing, testing. Still way too loud. Can get Jamie? Can you please come get Ellie? Okay, let's try this again. You're listening to the Neurodivergent Nurse, and I'm your host, Jamie. I'm a registered nurse who has ADHD. On this podcast, we will talk all things ADHD. I'm really just beginning to learn about this diagnosis and how to navigate through it but I am so excited to take you on this messy and raw journey with me so that we can learn together. So let's get started. Happy New Year. It is 2022. You made it into the new year. Congratulations. I hope that nothing but wonderful things have happened within the first week of the brand new year. I heard people mentioning that instead of coming up with New Year's resolutions, which I'm a little bit late since we are in the first week of January, but I mean, it's still the very beginning of the year. But instead of that, to find a word of the year. I've never heard of that before, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't been relevant and I've just had my head in the sand. That's actually pretty likely. The idea of having a word of the year, they say that it sets an intention, a theme per se, for how you want your year to flow. And many people think that choosing a word of the year is an excellent way in order to solidify the way that you want it to go. You may just have one word that really sticks out for you for your 2022. And if that's the case, then just choose one. Or you might have a group of words or set themes that you want as your intention. Obviously, is totally up for you. I'm just going to give you a quick how to choose your word of the year. First of all, grab a piece of paper, make two columns. On one side, write down everything that went well over the past year. On the other side, write what you would like to change. Now, step number two, review the side of list that went well. How did those things make you feel and what do you want more of? Number three, choose one to five words that really speak to how you want your year to feel. Nouns, verbs, anything works. Just words that feel good to you. Don't get caught up in the grammar. Now, review them all together, narrow it down, and choose one that you know in your heart that you need more of. Then write your word on, I don't know, a pretty note card or stick it to your bathroom mirror or anywhere else that you see it every day. Some other ideas are on your car sun visor, your office wall, or you can make it your computer or phone wallpaper. AARP, they also had something to say about it. They said that picking a word of the year can bring clarity and focus to who we want to become and what we want to accomplish in life. I don't know if you are like me, but I am a dreamer of what is to come. But a carefully chosen word is a type of mental mentor, something to help us stay motivated as we move towards our goals in 2022. Because obviously resolutions, they feel like rules after a certain point. Heck, they feel like rules after day one. I want you to try it. I want you to pick your word. And if you end up posting it, be sure to tag me in it, the Neurodivergent Nurse, because I would love to know what you chose. 
My year has started off with two brand new Patreons that have joined the Neurodivergent Nurse family. So I want to give a shout out to Nikki Holmes and to Doris Sergai. I don't know if I pronounced your name correctly or not. If I didn't, I apologized. My last name's for Joe, so I completely understand all of the varieties that you've gotten to hear of your last name. But I really appreciate the two of you joining and showing so much love to this podcast and to the work that goes into it. You really keep me going and it means more to me than words can say. Today's guest is one of my favorites that I've had the privilege to have on this show. He is a creator for talking about ADHD. He's on TikTok, he's on Instagram, and his material is really great. But the conversation that we had, in my opinion, was even better. He brought so much love and understanding and acceptance into mental health, into ADHD, everything there is about neurodivergency. And I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation with Ron. Welcome to another episode of the Neurodivergent Nurse. I have a pretty amazing person as a guest today. We linked up on Instagram. He's going to tell you all about, but I absolutely love watching his videos and is so relatable. He is a great personality for the neurodivergent community. With me today is Ron. Ron, tell me a little bit more about yourself. How did you start getting into creating all these things for the neurodivergent community? Yeah, well, first, you're way too kind. Thank you. That was a lot. I'm just sitting here like, oh, no. But So yeah, I started creating videos. Actually, it started on TikTok. My wife is an actor, and she creates videos and content all the time. And I started finding, I guess, a little bit of creative juices, maybe from her, they were rubbing off and found some people on TikTok that I really liked and liked what they were doing. And love this idea of like advocating for people that maybe don't understand a ton about ADHD or people that were, I guess in, in reality that were like me growing up and that may have felt like unheard or unseen. And so there was this big push for me to, to kind of validate people's experiences. And I, I've always been someone in my life who was not afraid to, that's what I'm looking for, not embarrass themselves. But I know there's a lot of shame that comes along with being neurodivergent and ADHD. And I've had this privilege and ability to be able to be like no this is what I do and it's totally normal everyone it's fine and be able to be that person for people and I I kind of felt this just excitement in doing that so that's how it started I started just talking about what it was like to be me in a normal day and not be ashamed that oh I haven't brushed my teeth today and it's four o'clock like how are you doing <laughs> and, and everything's okay because I'm gonna brush them now and things like that and so I started doing that and what really kept me going was I started to get some messages from people that really touched me in a way that I didn't realize was was possible actually and realizing that out there there's a whole community that's struggling and looking to just hear people to relate to and so I, I started to look into what else I could do. At the time, I was in real estate. And I would say over the past, I mean, really, since I started working, have jumped from job to job every couple of years in typical ADHD fashion. But I had a lot of shame around that. 
And so when this came about, this idea of doing something during the pandemic and doing something that meant something to me for the first time, instead of just something that was going to, you know, how am I going to survive and make money so that I can, whatever, make somebody else proud. I had a moment of, this is something that's important to me. And, and so uh, with the support of my wife, she was just like, whatever you want to do, go for it. You've supported me in my acting career, which has been super up and down and all over the place. And I want you to do something that matters to you. And so on an impulse, <laughs> oddly enough, signed up for ADHD coaching. And I didn't even know what was going to come up with that, right? Like, I didn't know if I was going to be a coach or if what, but for me, it was like, this is the path I need to go down. I, I need more information and I want to figure out how to help people. And so I've kept making videos since then as I learn things and as things become interesting to me. And, and as I learn from other people too, not just from the coaching, right? But there's been so many times where I've realized, and it's like my favorite quote, but it's the only thing I know is I know nothing. And if we're at least curious and we're wondering what other people's experiences are, then I think, you know, we're learning from each other. That's the point of being here. That's the human experience. That's what I try to do all the time. When, you, I- <laughs> when you looked into coaching, which yeah. I mean, real estate to being an ADHD coach, those are pretty different types of jobs. Yeah. <laughs> what all went into becoming that person? What all went into that type of career? I, I would say this at first, and, and I realize pretty regularly that I am very privileged to have the ability to do this and for something you know I'm sure there's people that would love to just like follow their dreams and it's like oh well you know I am you know going paycheck to paycheck trying to make sure that I make ends meet and that makes it a lot more difficult so that was something that I felt guilt for but realized that doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it it's just I need to be aware of it and understand that I had a really good year during the pandemic, as shitty as that sounds. And, and at the same time, the thing I enjoyed about real estate, and, it, and I think what, it, what I got and where the actual connection is, is I did not enjoy that much anyway, Help, like selling their home or helping them with their home if I didn't know them that well, or if they weren't someone that it seemed that it made a difference. I had helped some close friends buy a home and the experience of handing them their keys. An example, one of my friends, they have a, you know, a little five-year-old and he was so excited and like took pictures of him jumping and getting keys. And like, that was the best. And it's like, I'll do that all day. And showing people homes that are buying their first home and, and things like that meant so much to me. And it's interesting that I realized I was doing a lot of that to make other people proud in a way, um, mm-hmm. parents especially, right? That's, I think that's something a lot of us go through as humans of why we do something. And I had these expectations and didn't know why I had them. And so having the ability to kind of sit down and realize that I have all this ability to, you know, I, I have enough saved up from having such a great year. And, you know, I do have this privilege and this luck that I get to do this. I need to take advantage of it not just sit there and be like, well, I guess it's what it is. So it was really important for me. And I just had this push and, and at the time too, I had just like, I I always said, I reintroduced myself to my ADHD. I had kind of ignored it and pushed it aside for probably like 10 to 15 years. And it came from the stigma of it being an excuse 
or it not being real. This is when I was diagnosed at 12. And it's still the same thing. A doctor said not to tell the school, don't tell anyone, you know, keep it to yourself. They'll think he's this or whatever. And I was someone at the time that was in gifted classes and it was, there's something wrong with him. And, you know, here, take these pills. It'll, it'll help and help whatever. And it started to be a thing. If I ever you know, didn't do homework or I didn't, I didn't clean my room or something like that. The answer was always, you know, you didn't take your pills today, did you? And, and it turned into this thing that I just hated. And so when I moved out, it was, I can do everything on my own, like screw you. This is, I don't need anyone. And um, over the last couple of years, I got reacquainted with that part of myself and started kind of releasing the stigma of what it was. And along with that comes accepting like who you are but loving it too, right? And that's that's a hard thing for neurodivergence to deal with because so many people don't understand and don't care to. There's a, an assumption that ADHDers or neurodivergence, by the time they're 12 years old, hear rejection 20,000 times more than someone that isn't. And it's an estimation, but ultimately it comes down to like, that's a rejection of yourself. And so it's no wonder so many people And so many times when I talk to people in coaching have this feeling that they need to change who they are and do things differently. And so releasing that stigma is hard. And it's something that I've been working on for the past couple of years and still struggle with doing. It's not perfect. You know, there's still times I beat myself up over something that I should do, but, but yeah, it's knowing that I may have the ability to reach some people and hopefully make their lives a little bit easier or give them a little bit of validation that they weren't getting means the world to me. And that's, that's ultimately what I want to do. And if I get to do and devote my time and life and everything to it, then I'm so in. And that's where, where I've been for the past year and a half now. So do you feel as a coach, an ADHD coach, that your clients, the people who come to you and turn to you, that they find some type of solace in the fact that you also experience some type of neurodivergency. It's not that you're just preaching to them in a sense, but you actually understand similarities and that you can comprehend the things that they're going through in order to help them through it. I hope so. (laughs) I was going to say one, one really interesting thing that I learned getting certification was that when they told us halfway through to start getting clients and to start reaching out to people and everyone was nervous because you've got a room full of ADHDers that suffer from rejection sensitive dysphoria and they're like, you know, or they have that imposter syndrome and there's like, I can't do this. I'm not ready for this. And the thing that stuck with me so much and so often I find myself just leaning on this and it, it really, I think, makes a difference, but it's that we, we just want to feel validated. Y'all, if you like the show, please consider joining the Neurodivergent Nurse Podcast Patreon. It shows how much you care and it allows me to continue to produce these episodes week after week. Plus, you get some awesome bonus episodes and some pretty great fan mail from time to time as a thank you. And please, please rate and review. The more reviews, the more attention, and that increases the likelihood that other people who struggle with neurodivergency will be reached. 
If you're interested in joining the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash the neurodivergent nurse. And what makes anyone, if, if you're someone out there with ADHD and you know someone else that has ADHD, like you don't need to be a certified coach to make them feel heard. And that alone is worth your time and worth you, you know, being there for someone. And, and that was, was really great to hear. And I found that to be true in a lot of cases too. Sometimes we just need to be heard without being told that we're doing the wrong thing or without being judged just to have this safe space of just like this is what I'm going through and I feel that I might be the only one doing that because no one else seems to have this problem and just to sit there and be like no you I I hear you is amazing and I, I don't take those moments for granted either. There's a lot of coaching going on, sure. But like even those moments where someone just needs to be heard is awesome and fantastic. And I think even if you don't end up getting a coach, finding someone else that you can relate to and feel validated by is, is huge to, to get through life as, as a neurodivergent. It's also hard to do because we judge ourselves so often that we immediately think we know what someone needs. And one of the most humbling experiences sometimes is just sitting there and not telling someone what they need and just kind of listening and letting them sort through it. When it comes to someone that, you know, is neurodivergent, there there's so many positives and strengths. And I hate over-focusing on those because I always get nervous that people get invalidated by their struggles. But Ultimately, we don't focus enough on what we do well. I tell people a lot that we have this negativity bias where the things that come easy to us are taken for granted, right? And so we tend to focus on those things that we're not good at. And especially for someone with ADHD, those can fall into categories such as things like perseverance and prudence and, you know, things that you look for in a in a resume for something. And as much as people love people that are creative and kind and curious, that's not something you look for in a resume. And that's, that's a tough thing to realize. And I also think the world is shifting into this idea that people that are creative and curious and loving and kind have a place and not just a place, but they're in, in need right now. That's so important to remind people that If you're someone that is kind and that comes easy to you, that is valuable. And that is not something to push aside. If you're someone that is good as a team player, you know, everyone's looking for a leader, but if you're someone that's great to work with, that is a value that we don't really talk about much. Everybody's supposed to be the best at something or or this or that. And it's like, everyone has their own intrinsic value and these innate character strengths when you ask somebody, who are you? Typically, we lead with what we do, right? You lead with what your job is, you lead with your accomplishments, but you never say things like, oh, I'm someone who is curious and kind and trusting person. I believe in honesty. I really care about justice or I'm brave in this sense and that. And it's, it's all these different things that we never talk about when we're talking about ourselves. And so what we do a lot in coaching is trying to understand that, like, that's something that you do without trying. And that makes you great. 
in order to work or give value, I do not have to beat myself up and work so hard at the things that I'm not that great at. Because when I do those other things, those not so great things end up being a little bit easier or I can delegate them. One of the best things about my coaching business was that I was like, hey, I'm going to get a CRM to manage my appointments and stuff. I'm going to pay for this and I'm going to pay for that because it will take up my entire day and I will hate myself for it and I'll never get stuff done. If I was to walk into that situation like, no, I need to be able to do this, then I probably would have never done it and would have beaten myself up and then felt like I could never be a coach. But instead, find the things that you're good at and that you love doing. Part of the reason I still do TikTok videos invigorates me. And part of the reason I started this was to advocate for people. And coaching isn't cheap for people. And I get that. And that might be my least favorite thing about this. But I have to be able to afford to do this as a career. And that was something to realize and realize what my value was. And that's what I'm teaching other people. It's like understanding your value. and finding ways to give value to people that can't just get one-on-one coaching. So I'm doing videos and I eventually want to do something else. Maybe we can do classes with multiple people or let's have like multiple code, whatever it is. I want this to mean something for me and it does right now. And that's the first time that's happened in my life. So that makes me happy. What did you do before real estate? I was in, well, actually, My wife and I started a murder mystery company. It starts with before that, I was in property management. And I I keep falling into this real estate hole of, I've been a good salesperson my whole life and might as well do that. Hated all the administrative stuff always, but yeah, I can talk to people. I love talking. This is great. And so I hated that job as well. That was more of a desk job that was very corporate. And I did not like that. And so I had this moment where I wanted to do like, what is it that I like doing? And so I was like, I love murder mysteries. I love planning events for people. Like one of my favorite things in my wife and I do, which not a lot of since the pandemic started, but it's hosting. We love having friends over. I love kind of like planning all those interactions. I love introducing friends to friends and find like, like, oh, you guys will love this in and all this stuff. And that. I'd love that. And so I was like, yeah, I'll just have this party company. So we did murder mysteries. My wife also was at the time doing kids parties. She was doing princess parties. So we like added that to it as well. And it was a lot of fun. We created a couple murder mysteries for private events. And then we had a one at this restaurant where people bought tickets for it. And so it was like a dinner theater kind of thing. Uh, So much fun but so expensive and we lost all of our money (laughs) and it was just like, great. So from there I started driving for Postmates and Uber and Lyft and anything because I blew it all, which I don't regret. I regret it in the sense that I was hard on myself for that. And I want to go back and tell myself that, and I do all the time, that a lot of the mistakes you make are opportunities to learn. If I hadn't have done that, I don't know that I'd be as successful in coaching as I am now to where I feel good about where I am because I had to go through that kind of difficulty and that struggle. And so, you know, I I loved it. I had fun. It was a creative outlet that I didn't realize I needed. And, And I think that's what the TikToks are now as well, like making these videos to just 
be creative, sometimes silly and non-informative. Like I think I did one today that was very just trying to be funny, which sometimes I think I'm funnier than I probably am. And, and that's fine. Those are for me. I get not everyone's going to connect with this or I get it might get like 20 views, whatever. It's fine. That's for me. And so I do those a lot, but I think uh, the important thing to realize and and with everything that I've done is I I was always trying to fill a bunch of different gas tanks, right? And, And I try to use this analogy with people sometimes where it's like, we focus on one thing pretty easily and we forget about other things that are important. And I, every few days or so, try to check in and make sure that I'm filling the gas tanks that are important to me and ones that I need to like, thrive so my creative gas tank my curious gas tank my you know making sure I'm eating (laughs) like period uh gas tank or not just like a bunch of nonsense gas tank and that I'm getting enough rest and and that's what I've realized that I need to continue going something I never realized before going back to when you were talking about if you would not have gone through the experience of the mystery murder mystery dinners or whatever that you were kind of frustrated with yourself. I don't know if you've ever watched the television show, the good place. I, I loved that show so much. There were times that I actually cried about human beings and are they trying to be better today than they were yesterday? And that's the measurement that we should use if people are good or not. Oh, dagger to my heart. But towards the end of that, series I remember they were all in the good place and they had no negative experience anymore right they had no adversity they had no bad times and every one of them they opted to step into a void because life wasn't satisfying without going through those bad times because you can't appreciate where you go if you haven't been lower than where you are and though those times are so difficult to make it through that when you're not there anymore and you can look back and see, man, that really sucked. It just makes you appreciate even more the joy that you have from your current state or even look forward to, Hey, I've made it this far from place a, and I'm only at place C, but I can't wait till I get to place F that's going to be mind blowing. Right. Yeah. I love that show. The, The ending was, I mean, I cried so much during that show. Me too. I think the main thing that you said that really resonated with me was like this. I I was, I'm fascinated by feelings and wasn't always encouraged to feel the hard feelings. I grew up with undiagnosed ADHD or of a mom and a stepdad who, you know, so thankful for having him, but was a very stoic, we don't talk about feelings kind of guy. And I was extremely emotional and afraid of bad feelings lately. And as I've gotten older, I've realized as someone with ADHD, feelings are felt harder and they can be painful. Like boredom can be painful, like physically painful and understanding that and, and it's also giving yourself grace and understanding why it's so hard to feel those feelings, right? And going back to my mom, who was an adhd felt my feelings so hard. If I was sad, it was just like, how do I fix this and stop this instead of letting me have that space? And that's all she knew what to do. And as 
now I'm at a place where it's like, those feelings are what gets us to the good ones, right? Mm -hmm. If we go through life, just trying to avoid the bad ones, there is no bad, they're just feelings, then we're not listening to ourselves and listening to what it is that we need. Our feelings are there to communicate with us. Because I think our world moves so quick and so fast that we don't pay attention to ourselves enough. And so it's our feelings yelling like, hey, I need this. You know, stop telling me it's not important. I'm telling you it's not important that right now I need to just sit and cry. Or right now I just need to sit and do nothing. Or I need to go and feel alive. Or I need to feel this. It's like, feel it. Feel that stuff. It's part of the human experience. It's you know, easier said than done. Trust me, I get it. But feelings are such a big part of what happens in coaching too. So many times you ask somebody how they're feeling about something and the answer is always good or bad. Mm -hmm. How does that feel? And then a lot of times people will say things like, well, I feel like, no, 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 that's not how you feel. That's what you think, but it's fine, right? It's just, how do you feel? Are you anxious? Are you feeling this? Are you feeling, you know, ecstatic are you feeling nervous are you all this stuff and asking them that you see some of the scariest looks on people's faces they're like I haven't explored this ever and and that sometimes is when I'm like cool so maybe coaching will be great for you but also have you looked into therapy or anything like that? <laughs> exploring that because emotions are so big for us. We don't understand them and we're moving so fast that we don't have time to stop and listen. My mom sent me a text today and she asked me because I have classes on Mondays and Wednesdays. So I don't, I don't work on those days. She's like, yeah, I sure miss you. Have you had a good day? And I told her, I said, I feel a little, I don't know, off today. And so she said, why baby? I said, no idea. I'm probably just tired. And she said, I'm sorry. You had a pretty stressful few days. I would rather you realize it than to not realize it. Just like your dad, all of that affects you when you have those bad days. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I love you too. I don't know if you ever have this feeling, but you know, as a nurse and she's referring to, oh man, two or three days ago, I had maybe three code blues. People were trying to just, yeah, not be alive. And uh, there was someone younger than 30 who didn't make it. And those as a nurse, which you being neurodivergent and you sounding like you're also an emotional sponge, you can understand I take on everything around me. And mm -hmm. so those days when you see someone in their twenties that they don't make it and someone literally, we stop trying to save them. 60 minutes into it, which is a very long time to try to resuscitate someone. Literally the minute that we called the code, which the, the minute that the doctor said, okay, we're done. That person's phone rang. I just lost it because someone who loved this individual thought that they were going to be able to answer and they were no longer here. Like those are such hard and horrible things. So I, I, ask you from mm -hmm. someone who feels and takes on those things like I do. Do you ever have those moments that while you value the fact that you feel so deeply, are there times that you just, you wish that you could just turn it off for a period of time? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I'm So curious, I, I guess I almost have like a question for you first with that. Like what is, cause I know you're interviewing me, but I'm sitting here going just like, how do you do you do you ever take that 
personal like ha- have you taken that personally or, or mm-hmm. felt obviously my entire career yes wow I just uh, one of the big things for me and and I'm very curious about the why right like mm-hmm. I'm one thing that I learned with ADHD coaching is how we have so many different processing modalities and one that really resonates with me is this conceptual processing I need to understand mm-hmm. why I need the entire picture. Show me what it means and where it comes from and and all this, because when things don't add up and make sense, it's like, I can't focus on anything else and I need to know the answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think I take things so personally because of that sometimes. And then understanding why I take things so personally. And I'm like, is it be the way I was raised? Is it this? Is it, you know, and the thing that I've started to, to release and let go of is that feeling may not be perfect and it may be because of trauma or it may be because all these different things but at the same time I'm thankful for it and grateful that I can feel the way I do because I love so many of those feelings but yeah taking stuff personally is is huge I've found a way to allow that to happen and give myself almost a time for it to where it happens. I try not to beat myself up during it. I try not to, to think it's my fault or anything like that, but it still happens. You know, I'll ruminate on things, but I've gotten better at it. So I did learn some techniques on rumination when I was in coaching that has been huge. It's when we, we tend to tie our feelings to thoughts. So it's when we feel these really intense, negatively perceived emotions, I'm looking for the conceptual answer behind it. And if my brain goes into any negative space and it's my fault or it's something I did, those things tie together. And then it's just a really giant negative boulder rolling downhill, you know, but it's being aware of it and figuring out a way to stop it in that moment because it's most powerful at the beginning. So finding something to get your mind off of it, giving yourself permission to like revisit it in 30 minutes or revisit it in an hour, trying to find a time when the emotion's not there so you can logically think about it. It's all really hard and ridiculous stuff, but I've generally stopped ruminating on things over the past six months, but that's something that a lot of people go through, especially because we feel things so hard. I would love to turn it off occasionally, (laughs) but if if the question is, would you get rid of it? You know, I, I don't think I could give up the good ones because that's what I live for. So I definitely agree, but I just feel like we always need to have a suit of armor because we want to protect the world, whether they're strangers, whether they're family members, so many of us, because we've gone through such difficult things growing up and in our life being different that we want to protect other people from feeling that same type of pain or anything similar to what we've gone through. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I'm I'm sitting here thinking, going like, wow, all the things that like have been so devastating, and not that we're comparing, right? But it's just like, I, I, I think a lot of us tend to do that too. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you where you have, I don't know what the word is, but not negated your own experiences, but almost invalidated your own experiences because you thought maybe that someone else has it harder than you or someone else is going through it worse than you. 
And we've developed some really, well, at least I have. And I think people have developed a lot of negative coping skills for dealing with these strong emotions. Yeah, how do we turn it down? Because out of protection of ourselves, we start just coming up with ways to turn it down. And those negative coping mechanisms come- Do we? Like, do we? I don't I think, think I've ever of, turned mine down. Well, they come in ways of like alcoholism or drugs oh, okay. or- right you know, dissociation. We find ways to turn it down. Sometimes people find healthy ways to do it. It's like going for a walk, meditating, watching a TV show, listening to music. And you're like, it's not as good as going and having a few drinks and forgetting about it. You know, Ron, I became an ultra marathon runner after I was a nurse and witnessed death at like an exponential rate. I'm like, let me run 40 miles. And that sounds very healthy and uh, understandable, right? It's a coping Not prior to me being a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, you know, everybody finds different things. I was, I did a, a Twitch stream with a Twitch streamer, which was totally baffling for me because Twitch streaming is just so interesting to me. I and mean, I love that community and have gotten to know a lot of people through like TikTok in that community and just what video games do for people and how there's the stigma around it, but it's like such an escape for them. And it's mm-hmm. the ability to tone down these emotions and and we do that that some people use it as a form of dissociating other people use it as a sense of community though and and that's a good and so we were talking about whether it's negative or not and I'm like listen I don't I don't know anything about I don't have an exact answer on if this is negative and should you and shouldn't you it's not the point the point is is this work for you is it helping you that's your question to answer. So if running, if you become so obsessed with running that you're ignoring your feelings and that's all you do, you're like, every day I'm running and I'm not dealing with anything, then that's probably not good. I don't know. Maybe it is. <laughs> but if you're like, I'm feeling so many emotions right now and feelings that I need to go for a run. And then later I'll deal with them when they're maybe not at a 10, they're at an eight and a half and I can at least handle it. You know, sometimes we turn to food and that any way to get some kind of dopamine to just Mm -hmm. feel a positive feeling to counteract it. And the idea of what's good and bad is so judgmental and it shouldn't be. Is it just a way to help you deal with it eventually or is it a way to avoid it? And, and I think that's the main thing. And that's more of like a therapy kind of idea behind it. Emotions are hard. You can't ignore them forever because your body keeps toll, but you can come up with ways to help you deal with them when you're ready. But you, you may need someone else to help you. You may need a therapist. You may need a friend. You may need someone online that just validates you. Whatever it is, find something that, that kind of helps you get through them and, and you're not ignoring them. Ron, tell me where people can find you because I'm sure after listening to this, they're like, we need access to this guy. So in true ADHD fashion, I am like five clicks away from launching my website (laughs) and have been for two weeks, but I was actually working on it a little bit today. It will be ADHDcoachron.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram at ADHD underscore Ron, on TikTok at ADHDcoachron. And yeah, my links are in the bios of those pages where it kind of takes you to a place where you can schedule a consultation and you can check out my social medias. And, and what's great about the consultation is too, like I've talked to so many people and it's 30 minutes. Sometimes that's all it is, but sometimes people just want to talk about it. And I'm totally down for that. That's part of the fun for me is to kind of uh, help people. Also, if people are 
worried about costs because like I said, coaching can get expensive. I do have access to a ton of coaches that are trying to get their hours and certification. So if they're willing to give someone a shot that maybe at a super low rate or even like on scholarship, I always have that available too. Because most important for me is just like, you want to chat, let me help you find the right resources that you need and we'll, we'll make it happen. And I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Awesome. So we'll make it super easy for people to find you. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And I just want to tell you, I have genuinely enjoyed this conversation today and I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you taking the Uh time and you being kind enough to be forgiving with me oh, showing up oh, a little late. Well, honestly, this this was great. Honestly, too, part of me is like, can I start a podcast and interview you? Because I feel sometimes feel weird being the guest on a podcast where I'm like, I'm going to talk about the things that I'm doing. I want to know so much about you too. Podcasting is amazing. Small talk and surface conversations yeah. can almost be a painful thing to us. Absolutely. But when you interview people and you get to know who they are and why they are, it's it's so incredible. That's it's. If you decide to do it, let me know. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great. I'm so happy to talk about this stuff. I always say if there's one person where I'm like, man, I I made a difference in their day, then I freaking won today. Those are my goals. Just a quick side note. If you have made it to the end of this podcast episode, thanks for hanging around and listening to it all. This podcast episode was recorded two months ago. So Ron's website has been launched, meaning you can go check it out right now. If you would like to contribute to this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the neurodivergent nurse, where you can get exclusive bonus episode script of the show prior to the release, uncut video interviews of the guests, input on upcoming shows and ideas, and even more. Also, be sure to follow the neurodivergent nurse on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with someone that you think could also benefit from the neurodivergent nurse and go ahead while you have time and while you're thinking about it and rate it and leave a review five stars on your favorite listening platform so that other people can find the show easily as well and i hope you have a wonderful week and i can't wait to talk to you again